Now this morning, I want you to open your heart at the same time, open to the scriptures. If you have any way of looking at the scriptures in your own Bible, do that. I'm sure the scripture will be on the screen, but we are in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. The scripture this morning will be only two verses. These two verses can become one of the top three or four verses in all of scripture that you would commit to memory and would find useful every single day of your life. When we go to the book of Romans, you're going to read the words that Paul wrote to the Christian people of Rome. Now, for those that have not been exposed to the Bible, the Apostle Paul was a young man that started off the wrong way and was actually uh, participated in the execution of Christians. But God got a hold of his life, just like he wants to get a hold of every life, and made a dramatic change in his life to where the old was put aside and he became probably the most influential Christian that ever lived. He wrote much or penned much that the Holy Spirit wrote in what we call the New Testament. The book of Romans is one here that we're going to look at. I want you to pay very, very close attention and remember this is being written not to the people of Rome, which was one of the vilest group of people on the planet. They are, were horrendous in their actions. Their nation had gone after every other God. And, and when Paul writes to the church at Rome, it's the, to, to the people of Rome, it's to the church at Rome. It is to the Christian people that are there or those that are considering becoming Christians. And so the words that he writes is not to the general public. The words he writes are to the already forgiven, converted, saved, born again, whatever word you want to use, people that had chosen to not conform to the world, but to follow Jesus. And listen how clearly he speaks these words. We hear about radical Islam but how many of you have thought about radical Christianity? You say, I'm not sure what a, a, a radical Islam extremist is. Well, that's for another day. I want you to learn what a radical Christian is. Because a lot of people don't understand that everything that walks around with pious platitudes are not Christians. Just because they go to certain places on Sunday or refrain from doing certain sins, that does not make them a Christian. Now, that was true from the beginning when this book was written. And I want you to pick up on that. I'll read you two verses. I beseech you, verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 1. I beseech you, therefore, that word means I encourage you. I strongly encourage you, my brethren. By the mercies of God, not by the wrath of God, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies 
a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now listen, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now you can't put much more power in two verses of scripture than those two. If somebody says, I don't understand the Bible, or I don't think the Bible is relevant, I just want to show you this morning in these few minutes, two verses that'll make it very relevant to all of us. God wants every person to know, and these little babies that we dedicated a while ago, as soon as they can get old enough to understand it, God wants these little kids to know that he loves them. Jesus loves the little children. God said the greatest in the kingdom are the little ones. The little ones that come into this world, they, they are born with a sinful nature and they won't have to be taught to be bad. I can promise the parents I'd do that individually to them. They, they won't have to train them to be bad. They'll come that way. It's the grandparents. It's hard to convince them, but it's the same thing there. But today, I want to submit to you, there's never been a day when that scripture is more relevant than this moment. If there was ever a time a people somewhere, someplace need to listen to God's word, it's today in our country, in our city, in our church, in our family, and in our life. This is so, so relevant. Where he says, talks about the renewing of your mind. He's talking about the renovation of your mind. When you totally change the way that you normally think and the way most people you know think, that you renovate your mind, you renew your mind, you begin to think different than the world thinks. You begin to think not like other people think, but you begin to think like God thinks. And when you begin to think like God thinks, then you can start doing what God did and what he wants you to do. But if, as another scripture says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. That's what it's referring to here. When we start thinking different, we'll start doing different. And Paul says, I just urge you to hear me and to know God's will for your life. And Paul is saying, I want to give you some instructions, some simple, not 25 page, 50 page book, but just a few words that if you can just put them in your mind, put them in your heart, your life will never be the same. But he says, it's going to be a radical decision. It's going to be a radical decision. Becoming a Christian is a radical decision. We do you no favor when we try to make it easy for you to follow Jesus as those of us that have followed him for some years. I would be, I would be grossly negligent if I told any person that's hearing the gospel for the first time today, whether in the building or through the media, that following Jesus is a walk in the park. It is everything but that. 
When you become a believer, you become in a, a spiritual war. You become a member of God's team in spiritual warfare. Now, for whatever it means to you, we know who's going to win, but we don't know what's going to happen right now. We know how the story ends because God has told us how it's going to end. But he's also warned us that it's not easy to take up your cross and follow me. And he says, narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life and few there are that will find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction and most will go therein. Relevant today. The people of this world today that are sold out to this world cannot understand why anybody would want to leave the pleasures of this world and follow Jesus. They cannot comprehend it. They think that you are an absolute fool if you make that decision. But if you know God and you know God's word, you know it's the greatest decision you ever made in your life. Because you see, this life is brief and soon will be passed and only what's done for Christ is going to last. And while you may be a weirdo on earth, you'll be a child of the king in heaven. And this life is so temporary. It's so in your face, changes every day. We have friends and our friends become our biggest enemies in this world. But one day those things will be passed away. Old things will pass away and all things will become new. Most of us want to see our world change. There's not very many people sitting here to argue, I like it just like it is. I mean, if I was God, I don't know one thing I'd want to change about this world. I think it's the most absolute awesome place that I've ever seen. Well, I think we do need to change the world. The world needs to change. But the world's not going to change till the people change. The people means me. Maybe I should say the world's not going to change till the person changes. I cannot, I cannot, and you cannot expect this world to change if we don't see one by one, five by five, 10 by 10, 100 by 100, 1,000 by 1,000 come to Christ and start life over again. A radical renewal, a radical change. Our steps, according to the scripture, are ordained by God when we become his child. He begins to ordain our steps as to how we are to walk. And every one of us, as I referred briefly to a moment ago to these babies, all of us are different. But there is a certain task that God wants done before he comes back again that he has put the instruction book out for you as to how you are to live your life life for his will to come on earth as it is in heaven. But the fact is we get easily distracted. There is so many distractions. We can rededicate our life on Sunday and by Wednesday we're having trouble because the pull on us is so great. And that's not true of some of us. It's true of all of us. And if we don't get locked in in a way that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all together where we're more like this and we, and we walk as one, as he is, the scripture says, so are we to be in this world. But a lot of persons or people personally claim 
to be Christians, but they don't want it to be publicly known. They'll even tell you, I think it's my own business. It's not your business. It's God's business. God doesn't have any secret service disciples. If you've always wanted to be in a secret service, don't join this bunch. Because God says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What that means is, wherever you are and whatever life takes you, make it clear pretty quickly when a test comes up, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And before we even go out there, I just don't want you to wonder. I just want you to know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And God wants his children to be proud of the father. Don't you want your children to be proud of you? Am I talking to anybody that's wondering if they are proud of you? And you say that bothers me. They don't call me. They don't come by. They don't do this. They don't do that. But you want them to, don't you? Because you know you can help them. But let me tell you something. There's a God in heaven. You just can't believe how much he can help you. He can forgive you, rebuild you, redo you, pick you up out of the sinking sand, set you on a solid rock. And for those that never had a purpose and never led anything, he'll put you on a road and make you a leader. But you got to make a decision. Even our churches today, Just like the people individually, our churches want to be conformed to this world. It is on the agenda. I could show you many books and and link you to many websites where what you will hear is we need to be more like the world. In order to reach the world, we must be more like the world. And the Lord says, come out from among them and be separate. Come out of darkness and be light. That's what the Bible says. Let me tell you something, folks. Young Christians, old Christians, or even if you're not a Christian, lukewarm Christianity is not going to survive this culture. Lukewarm Christianity will not survive this country, this this, this culture. It's, It's too strong. We have got to renew our minds and become one in Christ. And we have to understand that our God will not in any way walk away from us if we'll come unto him. He says, come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Moderation in all things is epidemic today. As long as you don't do a lot of name whatever sin you want to name, it's okay. But don't go overboard. That's as far from Scripture as you could ever get. No, I'm sorry. There is no moderation in following the Lord. He says, you take up the cross and you follow me or you're not going to be my disciple. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not willing to be saved. And God doesn't force his salvation on anybody. He does say to those that are weary... And heavy laden, I will give you rest. I will use you for my glory. And you will find fulfillment in your life. But in no way can the church become conformed to the moderation of this world. And this may shock you. For those of us that have been around church a long time. 
and think that we've got it all together, which none of us do. But Christianity is not about who we are. It's about who he is. Maybe I put it like this. Christianity is not about who we think we are. It's about who he is. He's king of kings, Lord of lords. Let me, in love, speak a word to all of our, into all of our lives today. If any of us, any one of us, pastor included, have not totally given, if we don't know that we have totally given our life to Jesus Christ, we haven't. If, if we do not know that we've given our life to Jesus Christ, we haven't. Folks, it's time to come alive and wake up and say we're not some kind of mystic religion. It is so clear what a born-again Christian is. You don't have to be a born-again Christian, but to say I don't know what one is and I don't know if I am one, you're not. You can't go from darkness to life and be born again and say, I don't remember that ever happened to me. If it happened, you do. If you ever came out of darkness into life, you know it. If you were ever born again, you know it. If there's ever a time when old things passed away in your life and all things became new, you know it. But if it was just signing papers and dipping in water and attending a few meetings and cutting back on most of the sins in your life, you haven't. You've got to be born again. Now, God's word says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And that means that we have a, that we're to present our bodies. Notice the scripture. We're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, let me tell you what that means. My body and your body belong to God. And what we do with our bodies, what we take into our bodies what we do with our bodies, what we do with our voice, what we do with our eyes, what we do with our ears. It's not ours. It's his if we're saved. And we do not look at the, at the, the things of this world or want to hear the things of this world or want to do the things of this world if we've been born again. And God has come to live in our life. God's word speaks of presenting the body a living sacrifice. We put our life in God's hands. Ladies and gentlemen, the Christian life is not something easy. Being in the military is not easy. Anybody goes and joins the military so they can have a uniform is in for some big shocks. And anybody that becomes a Christian that thinks it's going, to be this, it's going to be sweet and wonderful and everybody's going to love me and God's going to love me and I'm going to be happy, happy, happy every day and there's just going to be joy and I'm just going to be jump out and I'm telling you my enemies are going to become my friends. You chose the wrong thing. And you're totally wasting your time. What you must understand. Verse 2 says, don't. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. No exceptions. 
Now, all of us have to decide which one are we. Are we conformed? Are we transformed? Are we more like God or more like the world? Who gets first shot at us? God. And we could say, it's me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Or we can say, well, what's out there on the menu today? Let me just decide, just show me what are my options. Because I certainly want to pick what I'll enjoy the most, like the most, be recognized the most, make the most money doing, get the most attention doing, win the most contests doing. That's what I want. But when you get saved, that's gone. That's gone. I don't know about you, but that sentence, be not conformed to this world, gives me a lot of problems. I have to think through a lot of things. Because you can, it can sneak up on you. It can sneak up on you. Now, some of it's just real brash. But a lot of it is not. Some of us don't understand. God wants us. He doesn't want our stuff. You say, well, I bet, I bet God won't make us. He can get my tithe. No, he doesn't. He can get by without your tithe. But I bet God wants me because I'm an influence in the community. He doesn't want you because you're an influence in the community. He wants you because you're his. He wants to adopt you into his family because of who you are, not what you represent. And when you can let that run through your mind, that God wants to get you out of the darkness into the light, and the light comes on and say, you mean there is somebody that will love me unconditionally because most of my friends, if I say one thing wrong, they're after me. And that friend could be your wife or your husband. And they want to come back. And God just simply, when we sin, God's heart is broken because he has so much planned for us. Only if I would have that's not what you want to have on your tombstone God never has nor, we ever, nor will he ever in the future ever change he will not change the changing has to be done with us and the longer we live and the more we get out where we have now we can communicate with the world and we find out the people on the other side of the globe are just like the people are here and we're dealing with the same kind of issues. And the more that it comes out, the more difficult it has. Nobody wants to be, I don't think, be a victim of the culture. But we can be. And many are. One of the questions that's asked me a lot of times is, how do you know the will of God in your life? Young people ask that all the time. I ask that. I said in a lot of youth groups when I was a teenager, and that would always come up. How do you know God's will? The preachers say you need to do God's will in your life. How do you know God's will? The way you know God's will, listen to me, is to know God's word. Now, hold on. If you ever write anything in your, ever write in your Bible, I want you to write this down. To know the will of God, I need to know the word of God. God doesn't have a special will for you that he hadn't written in his book. He has an assignment for you, but his, his way is the same for all of us. This book is God's will for your life. 
And this scripture that I'm preaching to you about this morning is one of the greatest passages in this book. Read it to you again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And he could have written in there for you because that's where it is. The will of God is not a mystic thing. I'm around people all the time telling me about their visions. I'm not really concerned about people's visions. I'm concerned about the word of God. I, I don't, this mystic stuff just scares me to death because I have seen the mystic bubble pop so many times in people's lives that when their mystic bubble pops, they forsake God and their vision never, never, never walked with the word of God. God's word doesn't change. God doesn't tell you something he hadn't written in his word. His word and his grace is sufficient. But you got to get started somewhere. You ever, have, you ever try to drive a car that was sitting still before power steering? How easy was it to move the steering wheel? Mm. Mm. But if you just got it going just a little bit, what happened? It begins to get easier. And when it gets going fast, you better be careful, right? And then power steering came out, okay? But listen, the way you know the, the will of God, you say, well, I don't know God's plan for me for the next 50 years. How about for the next hour? What if it was God's will for you to stay and go to Bible study in the next hour and you're planning on going out to eat? Because the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Not healthy, holy. And it may be that some of us could use more spiritual food and less physical food and be a whole lot healthier. Okay? So if we were to take a choice today and say, you know what? I don't even know what they're talking about. Sunday school, I went to Sunday school, but they're saying something about this eye connect. I thought that, I don't even know what that means. Well, it means Sunday school if that's what you know. It's Bible study. It's getting with smaller groups and studying what? The Word of God. And the Word of God will show you the will of God. And the Bible study classes show you how to study, the, show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. The Bible is instruction book to get you moving. And then, one day at a time, you move to be everything that God wants you to be. The highest form of worship is to faithfully follow the will of God for your life. There's nothing that pleases him anymore. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The highest goal is to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. I love that old song, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but Jesus has washed it white as snow. When you start worshiping God, no rebellion, no argument, not saying I don't believe that scripture, I pick and choose what I believe, but I'm just gonna believe everything God wants me to do. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just opened up the scripture and start studying and learning 
the will of God. You can't straddle the fence. You can't have part of you on one side and part on the other side. We're transformed by God through the renewing of our mind, verse 2. We have to start thinking different. Then we are transformed to do different than what we have done in the past. You can't be transformed and be conformed. Does that make sense? You can't be both. You have to say, I'm going to conform to this world and whatever my culture does and whatever my generation does, that's what I'm going to do. Or you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind and you can say, no, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I would wish more on this side would come and go with me because I'm bound for the promised land. But I cannot be conformed and be transformed. And if any of us think that we in the flesh can abstain from sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And every single human being listening to me right now would agree with this statement. We are tolerating today what we would have never allowed 50 years ago. Do you agree with that? Say amen if you agree with that. Now, what has happened? I'll tell you statistically what's happened. The faithful have gone down in numbers and the world has come up in numbers. That's bad news. The good news is Jesus said that's going to happen before I come. The good news is Jesus is going to come quicker than we think. Because he has prophesied that. That there will be a great turning away. Turning away. Who's, who's going to turn away? Those that were one time faithful. And every person here knows some of those groups. You know people. I know hundreds of them that used to walk with God faithfully. Teachers, deacons, preachers, leaders in the community. I know hundreds of them that used to be everybody. I want to be like him. I want to be like her. Thank God you weren't like him or like her if you're still following Jesus. Folks, when you start looking anywhere other than God, you're going to make a terrible mistake in your life. When you believe there's other true religion books, not this alone, you're in serious trouble. Jesus is, is the only way to heaven or he's none of the ways to heaven. He said he's the only way. If that's true, he's a liar and you don't want to follow him. But if you want to say, you know what? I am going to follow him because he's alive. He's alive. Thank God. On Sunday morning, he rose from the grave and no other spiritual leader ever did that in the history of the world. The only hope for any of us is the Word of God and the Son of God. And when we know the Word of God, he'll t it tells us more about the Son of God. And when He sets you free, you're free indeed. And the Holy Spirit and the Holy Bible work together to take a rejected human, a cast-out human, an imprisoned human being, the Holy Spirit and the Bible gives them new birth and eternal life and a new purpose through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
My, my. Oh, what a Savior. Ephesians 4.23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The scripture says, Choose you this day who you're going to serve. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. If you still have your pen out, you might want to write my, this final thing down that I'm fixing to say to you. Those of you that know basketball, the name Bobby Knight is a familiar name. Bobby Knight was an unusual guy. They said he was two people in one. That Some people knew him up close. Some people knew him from a distance and quite a temper, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's been a lot of books written about him. As he coached basketball, at, I believe, at Indiana. But one time he said this. He was talking about discipline. He was known to be a strong disciplinarian. I mean, he didn't take anything off of anybody. He didn't care if you were the greatest player that ever came across the globe. You didn't pray for him. You didn't play for him unless you learned one thing. And that one thing was discipline. He was the most disciplinary teaching coach that has ever been. I've got something here that he wrote. Are you ready? Four short lines. This is his definition of discipline. Discipline is you do, number one, what needs to be done. What needs to be done. Number two, when it needs to be done. Number three, the best it can be done. And then do it that way every time. Now let me repeat that. What needs to be done. When it needs to be done. The best it can be done, and do it that way every time. Now, you take those words, basketball, and you get it out and put that as a disciplined Christian. A disciplined Christian is one that does what needs to be done under the direction of the Word of God. When it needs to be done under the timing of the Holy Spirit, the best it can be done with the power of God working through you, and then do it that way every time. When you do that, things begin to fall into place. A final scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feelings had given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus Christ. That kind of ties together what Paul said when he wrote to people in Rome, what I preach to those of you in Houston, and that is that God's kids are to live, live a disciplined life. God's word never changes. His way never changes. He will lead us to do what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, the best it can be done, and he'll give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to carry out his command. 
It's not easy following Jesus. But Paul said this, Philippians 4.13, my dad's favorite scripture. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That's the key. Whole key of the Christian life. You will never become a better Christian by becoming better educated. You'll become a Christian when God lives his life. I mean, you'll become effective when God lives his life through you. Would you do it today? You know, it's never right to do wrong. And it's never wrong to do right. You hear me? It's never right to do wrong. It's never a right time to do wrong. But it's never a wrong time to do right. Now today is the day. The only day you're promised. The only moment you're promised right now.